there is a story which uh, Peter is writing to the church, and he says this, uh, starting with chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building this spiritual temple. And then then he goes on to say this, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him, he will never be disgraced. The stone that the builders rejected now has become the chief cornerstone. So there's this kind of uh, parable that Peter has given us saying like there's this building that's being built. And and it's not being built with bricks and mortar, but it's a spiritual building. And and Jesus is building this building. And upon it, him himself is the chief cornerstone. But there's a problem. The builders have rejected him. They have rejected him. Man, this isn't going to work. Have you ever felt that rejection? Have you ever felt like you don't fit in? And and so it it raises a a few questions. Why was Jesus rejected? Why was this stone rejected? Why did he come into the world and the world knew him not? Why this feeling of unloved, unwanted, misfit? I'd like to give a few different suggestions to that this morning. So rewind with me back. Think about it. Luke chapter 2. Maybe you've read the story this Christmas season. It's the beginning, the birth of Christ. And what happens is sometimes when we read this story, it's easy to read the story from this side of the cross, from this side of knowing how the story ends and, and everything uh, from the very beginning. But you've got to remember, when this is happening in their day, this is brand new. This is something that Oh, oh, wow. And so when Jesus comes on the, st- on the scene, where's this, there's this story of a baby being born in a manger. And, and not just a baby being born in a manger, but this baby has to learn to, to crawl. This baby has to learn to walk. This baby has to learn to talk. And as a matter of fact, for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, we don't really hear a whole lot about his story. There's not, there's not a whole lot other than he just grew in wisdom and stature and knowledge. And so uh, from the very beginning, there's nothing very extraordinary about Jesus. I mean, even the very fact that he was born in a manger isn't really that extraordinary because back in those days, there was lots of babies born in mangers. It wasn't like they could just rode down, rode, ride down to Novant. You know, there was a hospital system and all this stuff. No, there was, there was babies born in mangers and there was the, the normal flow. So on the outside, Everything to Jesus looked very, very normal. Uh, To the point that later on in Luke, when things start to happen, when Jesus starts to do some things that are outside of the ordinary, it begins to get questioned. So much to the point where they say, is that Jesus from Bethlehem? Can can anything good come out of there? Uh, Is that Jesus? Isn't that Mary and, and Joseph's boy? You know Mary and Joseph down the road, like, you know, Car- Carpenter's son. I mean, yeah, I think Jesus, I think he was at my house a few weeks ago, fix, fixed up my cabinets, you know. Hey, there, was a, there was a mess up with the door frame, Jesus fixed it up. I mean, it was very much common. It was very much Jesus was th- this guy and, and all of these things. And so there was, the first of all, the rejection of him because, well, he was normal. Uh, he, he looked like every else 
the cornerstone that the builders rejected, well, on the surface, it looked all too common. And so the story continues. Uh, And in Luke, there's this one really awesome story that we do see about Jesus in his childhood at the age of 12 years old. The Bible tells us this. I want to read it from you from Luke. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. Now, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Now, when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. Now, after the celebration were over, they started to head home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. And when, they didn't, when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him amongst their relatives and amongst their friends. Now, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Now, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So imagine, there's this moment. Think about it. For 12 years, his parents have this certain pattern. They do this certain thing. They, they, they go to this place, and every year, Jesus comes along with them year after year and so it's the 12th year now jesus comes along with them they have the festival they begin to head home and all of a sudden where where's jesus at what's happening where where did jesus go they find him three days later three days later okay so maybe a week or two ago me and my wife devin are here at the church and we were getting ready for uh, service. We were prepping some things, and we had uh, Kobe was in school, but my other daughter Reese, which is uh, 20 months old, she was here with us. And we're at the kitchen, and we're doing something, and all of a sudden, Devin looks at me and she says, "Where's Reese?" And to which there's that moment. If you're a parent, it's when you just, uh-oh, <laughs> what has happened? She was literally here 60 seconds ago. And now she's gone. And so I just start kind of running around the church, just trying to find Reese, thinking maybe she's playing a game, looking behind the Christmas tree, looking in every nook and cranny. Devin goes out the door, starts looking in the parking lot. I call out to her, do you see her? I don't see her. Devin doesn't see her. And now at this point, we're getting really panicked. So I run back in here. Devin's running around. She had walked out the door and went next door to the, the senior center parking lot, went behind their building and started walking up the stairs. <laughs> and it, it was literally about three minutes. Now, at that moment, we just, me and Devin were like, we are the worst parents ever. <laughs> but Jesus' parents left him for three days. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, we're one up on you, Mary and Joseph. You know, sorry. <laughs> but, but there's this moment of, where is Reese? Where did she go? And, and our hearts, and, and we, at the second time, I'm just, I'm almost 911 in it. I'm just, you know. And, and then there's this moment where we find her. Devin brings her back in. I'm about to call the cops. Reese is there. Devin's there. And there's this moment as a parent where you don't know how to react. Because there's part of you that just wants to beat that child. <laughs> you don't know what you just did to me, child. But then there's the other part that, Lord, just thank you, Jesus, that she's safe. 
Thank you that she didn't get hit by a car. This could have happened. And just every worst case scenario is going through your mind. And so you're just conflicted. Do I give you a hug or do I beat you? I don't know. <laughs> and so you can imagine, like, Mary and Joseph, like, same routine, same pattern, year after year. And then all of a sudden, where is Jesus? Seriously, three days of the torment of just where is our son? Where is he at? I, I, we can't find him. Could you imagine Mary? Like, I don't know what to do with you. I know you're going to save the world and all, but go to your room. (laughs) Like, you know, just this, I don't know what. Eh, But this this moment, but but here's what I found interesting. Is when they left to go back home, the Bible says that they just assumed that he was with them. And, And I wonder oftentimes, as we get into our patterns, we get into our flows, we begin to move ahead of God, and sometimes we just believe that he will follow us. We begin to believe that, man, we're heading this way, so God, you should be following us. We just assume that you're with us because this is what we do all the time. And, and at one point, I could just see Jesus saying, wait a minute, hold on. You're supposed to be following me. And, and so there was this disruption. There was something that was outside of the norm. All of a sudden, 12 years of the same pattern, the same routine, this is what we do, but all of a sudden, well, Jesus isn't there anymore. Man, we, we've done it this way for so long, and now all of a sudden, there's a disruption. And then some more time goes by, and then all of a sudden, things really begin to heat up. By the age of 30, Jesus begins to do some of these miracles. Some of these things happen. People begin to talk. And all of a sudden, it goes from we've rejected him because he's so normal. Now, all of a sudden, people are rejecting him because he's so different man he's doing things that no other rabbi has done he's doing things and teaching things that no other teacher has said or thought about as a matter of fact all of the religious leaders are starting to think wait wait hold on a minute this this isn't the norm this isn't what we've been doing year after year what's going on and so there's this kind of reality check that first of all there's the stone that the builders have rejected and first of all he's rejected because he's too normal then he's rejected because he's too different. And so there's a part of us that thinks that, man, he just can't win. How many of you felt like that? Like, you're just so different that you don't fit in and people can't accept you and you're just stuck on this island of misfit toys. But then, yet when you try to be normal like everybody else and you try to fit in, well, they reject you then too. Because, well, you're just different. You're just weird. You're either too normal or you're too weird, or you're too... There's always this reason of why you're rejected. Have you ever felt like you just don't fit? And then sometimes it makes us sad. Sometimes it makes us lonely. Sometimes there's this thing inside of our heart. So thank God, I just, I don't fit. And, and we've kind of cried out to God. Man, God, I just want to be a part of something. And, but, but what if I was to tell you something else? What if I was to tell you that this feeling that you're having, this feeling of unbelonging, is actually a good thing? It's actually a good thing. Because Peter addresses it. Peter addresses it and says, listen, you're, 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 this, you're feeling this way, you're the, the stone that the builders reject. And he says this, dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, as aliens, to keep away from these worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. 
Be careful to live promptly among the unbe- your unbelieving neighbors. So what he's saying here, like, he's calling us, like, we're foreigners. We're different. We are aliens to this people. Now, when you look this up, uh, the Greek word here actually trans- translates to mean this. Those that, that live in close proximity to. Those that live in c- close proximity to. See, there's this temptation that we have. And the temptation is to look at our lives, to survey our lives, and to say, listen, uh, I'm either too normal or t- I'm too different. I don't fit in. And our response to this, this misunderstanding of knowing why we don't fit in is we say this. One, like Rudolph said, he said, can't we just stay here? I'm the misfit and everybody else is the misfit. And so we kind of can form this Christian bubble. You know what I'm talking about? This Christian bubble where all of our friends now are Christian friends. Everyone that we know is a Christian believer. And and everything we do is revolved around, well, church and uh, everyone else that believes exactly the way I believe. And so as long as I'm surrounded with these other misfits, at least I could feel this loneliness among the group. Okay, pause. If I could have the ushers come for a second. Um, I got something I'd like to pass out to everybody. Take this. There we go. I should have done it earlier. Yeah, just, just pass them down the, down the line and everyone grab one of these bad boys. Probably should have done it earlier, but we're doing it now. What's he doing with that thing? So has everybody got one? I got to take it. Take it in your hand. Got to roll it a little bit because it's a little wobbly from being in that package. Just got to roll it. I got to shake it. You got to shake it. Other hand. Pilates. All right. All right, I'll take it and just hold it right beside you. Let it, let it just rest there for a minute. We'll get back to it in a second, Okay. You just have to, to lay there with the anticipation. Okay, so there, there's, there's two, two responses. Two responses we have. We, we feel this, that we don't fit in. We feel that something's different. We feel like, man, I just want to belong. And, and, and so one, like Rudolph, we, want to, well, we just want to surround ourselves with the bubble of other misfits and find ourselves in this kind of Christian realm, and this is where we will live our lives. Or there's the second reaction. The second reaction is, I'll just reject this altogether. I, I, I don't want to be, uh, be labeled as one of these misfits. I don't want to be one of these aliens. And so we go to the opposite extreme where we look so much like the world that no one knows we're different. Where, where we find our acceptance and, and our belonging from every, everywhere in the world. And so because all we want to do is what? Just fit in. So one of these extremes and yet jesus is saying this is not what i'm talking about this is not what i've called you to do we are called as aliens that we are passing through that we live in and among and in close proximity to those that are 
around us because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came. He lived among us. He dwelt among us. The God that created you and me and made all of these things, the heavens, the stars, the skies, and yet he came and he was very much different. But yet he lived and came to be in close proximity to us. He's saying, listen, I'm building this house. This house isn't going to be built with bricks and stone, but rather it's going to be a spiritual temple. It's going to be built upon me, this cornerstone. So I'm building this house among you. And this is where we live. We live in the tension. We live in the rejection of the world. Often we live in the rejection and feeling the tension even among the church. And we just want to belong. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're supposed to be different. And you want to know why you're supposed to be different? Because he says this, be careful. Be careful. As temporary residents, as foreigners, as aliens, be careful to live promptly among your unbelieving neighbors that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, so no, in other words, you, as an alien, as a, as a, as a misfit, be careful that those that you are living among, be careful that even when they accuse you of doing wrong, that they will see your honorable behavior and they will give glory to God. In other words, this, the very ones that are, are sinners and, and, and not part of the group and, and the, out, the, the ones that we would say are part of the world, that God has called us to live among them. We're not like them, but we're among them, that we live in close, close proximity to. And these, matter of fact, these very ones will fight against us they will say all manners of evil against us. That's why in Matthew 5, Jesus will say, listen, blessed are you when you're persecuted. And all these things. You know why? Because other people will see our good behavior on how we react to how people have treated us. And the end being is that they will glorify God. And the end being of all, of all man, is that we would glorify God and enjoy him forever. So even, even in your persecution, even in your feeling like a stranger, a foreigner, God's saying, be careful. Be careful to live right because you are showing forth the glory of God. And when you live this way, it brings glory to me. And so it's good that you're different. It's really good that you're different. Now I want to shift gears for a second and we're going to get back to that. This next part that I want to share with you um, is kind of what I feel is a little bit of a prophetic word for the church, not just this church, but for the church. And some of us, with these feelings, the struggle of, of not belonging, of, of, of not being uh, part of the crowd, um, and our reasons for coming to Christ to begin with. Often, there are three triggers that will bring us to Christ. One is a crisis. There's been a crisis in your life, in your family. All of a sudden, the doctor is saying words like cancer. You've gotten a bad report. All of a sudden, you've lost a spouse. You've lost a child. You've lost your job. You've lost your house, your health, whatever it is. You are facing a crisis, and there is nothing for you to lean back upon. And you find yourself crying out to God. Jesus, I need you. But what happens is this. Often when we've, we've been those, and we've all, we've all been there, but when we've been those that come to God in a crisis, what happens 
often, not always, but often, is things will get better. Things get better, and the crisis subsides. And then we begin to fade away from Christ. And then things get worse again, and then we come back to Christ. And then things get worse, and we come back. And and all of a sudden, we go through years of this. We go through different experiences and different crises in our life, and we find ourselves on this roller coaster back and forth with Christ. And, and, and there's a part of us that just somewhere on the inside, we're crying out and we're saying, Jesus, I need something more real than that. I need to be able to come and love you even when everything is going right. And, and so often there's this first trigger. There's the crisis trigger. Uh, the second trigger that can bring us to Christ is often an outworking of the first one, but it could be for many different reasons. And that's we're just pure exhausted. We've been living our lives 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and we've been taking trip after trip after trip around the mountain. We, we, we've found ourselves uh, in the same patterns that we do over and over again. We failed at the same thing over and over again. And there's a part of us that looks, and we've looked at the roller coaster, we've looked at the pattern, and there's a part of us that just gives up out of, out of just sheer exhaustion, just God, I am so tired. God, I just, I can't live like this anymore. And there's some of us that feel that right now. That, man, you're just, you're just exhausted. And God, I just need to come back to you. Uh, but, but here's the outworking of this often. Often when we come to God out of this sheer exhaustion, Time will go by, and and things could get better or worse. But what happens is, deep down, within the recesses of our heart, we find ourselves feeling this feeling. We find ourselves feeling like we've given up. That almost like, well, Christ was my last option. And we've kind of deducted all of the natural outworkings of all the ways that we've lived in the past. And so it's just kind of like, yeah, I'll take Jesus. And there's no real joy in our life. We understand that, well, well yeah, I, I'm okay, but I'm not happy. I know that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and everything that I've done that's led me up to this point, but I've got to be honest, there's a part of me that just, God, I, I just came out, I came out of you out of just sheer exhaustion, and there's a part of me that my heart believes that there's something better out there, and, and I've just kind of accepted this life, and I'm just going to, well, I'm just going to be a follower and I'll go to church on Sundays and I'll just do the right things because, well, if I do the wrong things, well, that's, I've seen what that leads to. And, and for a lot of us, at, at some point in time, both of those stories have been our stories. Let's be honest. For most of us, maybe not for everybody, but for a good portion of us as Americans, uh, that has been our, we have come to Christ out of crisis or exhaustion. But here is the third trigger. And this is what I believe that God is getting ready to do. There's a moment where you come to God, not out of crisis, not out of of exhaustion, but out of revelation. Out of revelation of who he is. That you have had a moment where you have had a picture with the creator of, of all of the world, and it just solidifies everything. 
It's this moment where Paul, he's gone about his life, and all of a sudden he has this conversation with God, and God says, why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden his life changes drastically, not out of crisis, not out of exhaustion, but out of revelation of, man, this is who God is. There's this moment where Job, where Job has gone through everything that he could go through, and then at the end of the book there's this moment where God responds back to him, and then all of a sudden Job says this, listen, I've heard about you, but now seen you with my own eyes i've heard you with my own ears and then he just repents just this revelation of who god is what if what if god is getting ready to bring you a brand new story in 2016 what if your your christian life is, is no longer dependent upon just out of sheer exhaustion of just coming out of him or, or just a crisis after crisis. But what if, what if God's getting ready to reveal himself to you in such a way that it's going to change your life forever? Is there anybody in here that wants that? That God, that it's no longer about what my parents told me about you. It's no longer about even what the pastor's talking about all the time or my friends are talking about. But God, but now I have seen you. And there's, there's no turning back. And then we, like Paul, could say, listen, it doesn't matter. I know how to abase and abound. I know how to, to, to have an abundance, and I know how to suffer need. He knew all these things because he knew Christ. And all of a sudden, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if the world rejects me. It doesn't even matter if the church rejects me. It doesn't matter if everybody rejects me. It doesn't matter if I feel like an alien because, man, my life is now built upon something stronger. It's the cornerstone. It's a brand new story. What if God is getting ready to turn the page? You see, in the Bible, there's this moment between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the intertestamental period. 400 years of just silence. But when God turns the page, it doesn't come with a big bang and all this stuff. It comes with a baby and a manger, an ordinary And Jesus learns to crawl and walk. What if the life that you've dreamed of is closer than you think? What if the very thing that's going to give you that sense of purpose and longing, maybe in some ways we have rejected? One, because maybe it looks way too normal. Or because way, that's way too different. They're going to reject us no matter what. But even when they do, be careful of how we respond. Because even when they accuse us of doing wrongdoing, they will see our honorable behavior and give glory to God. You are different. You are weird. You're an alien. People always ask, is there such thing as aliens? Yep. They're called Christians. Go ahead, put them on. That's right. We're a bunch of Rudolphs. Upon Dasher, Dancer, and Prancer, and Vixen. Comedy, Cupid, and Donner, and Blitzen. But do you recall? See, but here's the thing. They never let poor Rudolph play in any of the reindeer games. He was just way too different. Like some of y'all are even embarrassed right now. I can't believe I'm wearing this thing on my nose. But everybody's wearing it on their nose. And still you feel weird. 
Because you are part of the island of misfit toys. And yes, I'm going to get a picture of this. Don't take them off. Don't take them off. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I got a panorama at it, too. This was way too much. I couldn't get all y'all in. Y'all ready? Big smiles. Look at this island of misfit toys right here. Boom. You're going to get rejected. You're going to get rejected. But here's the thing. You know how Rudolph ends? Things got bad. It was foggy. Nobody could see. And then who'd they call on? Give me the weird guy. (laughs) Give me the weird guy. You know why? He saved the day. See, it could be the very thing that you've been trying to cover up. It could be the very thing that why you feel like you don't belong is the very thing that God's saying, that's what's going to save you and others. You are part. Now put him back on. Now it's fine. Oh, man, mine had stuff all over it. Look at all that pocket lint. Y'all didn't tell me? And it's like, man, I see how y'all are. If I had a booger, y'all wouldn't tell me either. I, see I know. I, the misfit of misfits. That's right. See how y'all are. God's getting ready to bring a brand new story. I believe we're ready for it. I believe we're ready to see God move in a brand new way. It's going to be an awesome ride. It's going to be a fun ride. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, if there's someone in here right now that doesn't know you, God, they've, they've, maybe they've, they've come to know you through crisis. Maybe they, they've just... There's a part of them that's just, just, just sheer exhaustion. Lord, but, Lord, we're all asking for a revelation of you. I pray right now, God, that you're moving among the hearts. And if you're here right now and you're saying, God, I, I just want a revelation of you. I just, I just need to know you just right now in, in your own way. It's just you and God. And just give them the words, Lord, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you all of it. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. Reveal yourself to me, God. I need to know you. Not like my mom knows you, not like my pastor knows you, not like my spouse knows you, not like my kids know you. But God, just I need to know you. And God is stirring and breathing and moving among us. But be careful, because often he moves among the ordinary, the mundane, the day-to-day. So God, may we have eyes to see. May we have ears to hear. May we find ourselves as aliens in this world, rejected, Lord, in the end, that you 
would get the glory. In the powerful, powerful name of the resurrected Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. Grace and peace. Uh, This Christmas Eve. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak All who are weary Come to the To the fountain, all who will sail on rivers of heartbreak, come to the sea, come on.